Glowing Older is a coaching firm that supports people to create plans for aging well. Through facilitating conversation, presenting options, and identifying resources, Glowing Older provides curated, personalized service to help our clients discover what's possible for the third act of life. This is our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and it's such a pleasure to be here today with Steve Nygren, founder and CEO of Serenby. Welcome to the program, Steve. Thank you. Well, before we dig into Serenby, please tell us about your background. I grew up on a uh, farm in Colorado, uh, part of a generational Scandinavian family that settled Boulder County uh, in the mid-1800s. Uh, being a farm kid, uh, I could hardly wait to leave the farm, uh, and it went to the University of Colorado, uh, not too many miles from where I grew up, and uh, started out in architecture, was seduced into the hospitality field, worked for Stouffer's several years uh, in their hotel uh, opening program. They moved me to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I fell in love with Atlanta in the 70s, early 70s, realized it was a city on fire to uh, exciting things happening. And I stepped off that corporate treadmill to open my first restaurant, uh, built that to 36 restaurants uh, and sold that uh, in 94 and moved to our weekend farm uh, right on the southwest edge of Atlanta. Uh, our children at that point were six, eight, and 10. Uh, and in my sixth year of retirement, I became concerned about urban sprawl, and that led to the Serenby story. Well, I've been a huge fan of Serenby uh, since your inception. So tell us about where the project began and where you are today. We started looking at, at models once, once um, well, let, let me back up a moment. Uh, I should say when we became concerned about the threat and various things happened, uh, I, I did what a lot of people do when you start buying land. Uh, we had 300 acres at that point, and uh, in, in a five-week period in my panic, uh, I had 600 additional acres that uh, attached us under contract. Uh, all sorts of reasons people were willing to sell. Uh, uh, one had been in a, in a family for three generations, another two, another just 30 years. And uh, so, so it seemed to be something uh, incredible was happening, whatever the forces be, uh, that, that we acquired that. But I realized that 900 acres in the path of urban sprawl really was not uh, uh, protected. Um, and I couldn't keep showing up at these closings uh, to buy land. Um, we, we looked for a moment to do a model to really change the zoning in this section of, of Metro Atlanta uh, and realized a lot of times models don't work. Uh, they actually attract traditional development that they're trying to change. And so I spent the next two years bringing 500 landowners together both pro-development and pro-preservation, uh, to look at a new vision. Uh, we use the countryside of England as our model because after World War II, they had good land laws because they couldn't afford the urban sprawl. Um, and so using that model, uh, we brought English land law uh, uh, results to a property rights southern state, working with universities to do that. Uh, so we passed that legislation in 2002. 
We needed some state regulations for transfer development rights, which we passed in 2003, and we broke ground on Serenby in 2004. Well, I know um, it's uh, it's been touted as uh, the the original and um, first ever wellness, true wellness community in the United States. Um, so where are you today in terms of how many houses and, and just the infrastructure uh, of Serenby? Uh, today, we uh, are at about 500 houses, uh, about 80 in development and uh, under construction. Uh, infrastructure going in for another 380. We have five restaurants, a country inn, about uh, 35 businesses uh, operating here. And we have, we looked at what are the core values uh, that builds community. Uh, I, I look to how we and the United States lived pre-1930 when it was more a sense of community and not uh, dependent on the automobile. And in that period, uh, generally, in most people lived in towns or in the country. And if you lived in town, you could connect to nature. And many uh, people knew uh, the farmer growing uh, part of their food, and their food was more regional systems. Uh, so that was part of the basis we looked at. Um, and, and and so in our zoning, 70% of the land that's developed has to be, remain in agricultural use. Now, that can be farms, that can be equestrian, that can be uh, uh, forest, it can be any of those things. Well, this is an entire different lifestyle. It's not only fresh air, uh, better food. Uh, a, a relationship with nature. So, so that's one of the components of the four. Another is art. Uh, if I looked at great places through centuries, there was always an art patron who was the church or a family. Uh, and that's kind of disappeared from our culture today. In fact, we're taking art funding out of uh, schools and public buildings. And so we wanted to find a way to make art a, a key core. And uh, so art's important. We, we employ artists, we employ craftsmen, uh, but we also formed an institute and there is a 1% transfer fee on every house sold or resold. 3% if it's a vacant lot. Uh, we're now uh, uh, contributing well over a million dollars for art and environmental programming every year. And that will be that will grow every year as, as we uh, sell more houses. And then there's always, you know, resales that, that will happen into the future. Uh, so that gives our artists a, a permanent base of funding to where they're not always having to raise money to stay alive. And we're able to bring some incredible uh, uh, national, international talent uh, to Serenby. Um, and then education is a key thing. And uh, a lot of components to education, our community established a charter school, uh, which is, is now uh, a real model uh, uh, based off the work of Richard Louvre, Last Child in the Woods. These are cottages in the woods, 500 children going to that school. Acton Academy is a Montessori-based school. Uh, that uh, grown out of a literally uh, a residence basement, and they are just completing a multi-million dollar campus 
uh, for 450 students, uh, 220 currently enrolled, and uh, that is on the campus. It's uh, it, it's all geothermal. Uh, it it um, has the first Tesla solar shingles on any commercial building in the world, and they will be totally self-sustaining from an energy standpoint. And the kids will be able to see how their building is is monitored. And then the fourth is health and wellness. Five years ago, broke ground on the community with that focus. Uh, one of our, 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 our key areas first was a 23,000 uh, square foot office building uh, that now, you know, it has the gym, the cycling center, uh, the dentist, the physical therapies, Chinese medicine, uh, yoga, medical practitioner, uh, uh, pediatrician. But what's more, we have 16 live works. That is where you have the, the the shop, the office on the street level, and then there's uh, uh, residences above. And many of these are one or two uh, apartments above the shop. Uh, some of those are purely owned by uh, investments for people that live here, and they lease uh, all three revenue streams out. Uh, others, such as our small animal vet, uh, her her her. A vet operation is on the street level, and then she, uh, with her family, lives uh, on the top two floors. Um, and we are getting ready. Uh, in February, we'll break ground on an aging in place campus, uh, very different from what we see in America. Uh, the Be Advice uh, that did the Hedwiki uh, facility in the Netherlands, uh, a lot of press on them for their dementia village. Uh, even as progressive as that was for that time and is uh, now for America, certainly, uh, we, uh, with with their help and other consultants, we're taking it another step further and really decoupling um, uh, a stigma uh, about aging. And so there will be, uh, uh, not only will there be no uh, gates or locks, uh, but there are no age restrictions. Um, you know, people uh, need various services at any age as you age, depending on uh, health events that happen. Um, and so we're not uh, tagging it to a specific age along our spectrum of aging, but uh, n n need or lifestyle based, if you will. I'm a big fan of this; these intergenerational concepts uh, this 55 plus and segregating away from different generations seems like an outdated model. But why is intergenerational living such an important part of the Serenby experience? Hear the laughter of children from your front porch. It generally puts a smile on your face. And there's plenty of statistics that show uh Health is tied to our connection to nature and to one another. And we have been building places that separate us from both, especially the bookends of our community. If you look around, I think you could say we put our kids and our elders in prisons. And I believe the pandemic brought a focus to that and we saw the reality of that. Yeah, so the it's it's the connection to to nature and each other that makes Saren be so special. So, tell us about the the biophilic elements um, at Saren B and and how that enhances quality of life. 
Well, when we, you know, we really started looking uh, at, at how to to tag this, you know, we, everyone wants just naturally to want to be able to identify with a word. Um, and after the recession, when some of the financial analysts started looking at the places who had stepped out of the recession early, it was walkable communities and environmental communities. And so we had more interest. And people would identify us as new urbanism. And because of our density, we are new urbanists, but um, all new urbanists aren't necessarily um, environmental. Uh, and so that didn't totally fit us. Uh, the Urban Land Institute has a published book on the 10 environmental communities in America. And we're one of those 10, but we're the only one with density. Uh, and then when a New York reporter was doing a story on the fact that we had put houses right on the edge of our farm, uh, which was unusual 20 years ago, not unusual 100 years ago, uh, she called it an agrohood. And now we are recognized as having launched kind of that, uh, that uh, agrohood movement. And so we said, well, what we really are is a biophilic design community. Uh, biophilia was being taught at Yale and UVA, uh, but no one was really applying it on a community development scale. And so that's where we identified ourselves. About 10 years ago, we formed the Biophilic Institute uh, for uh, thought leaders uh, in this field, both in education and uh, 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 city planning. And so that that conference is held uh, each April. But it's it, it's an you know it's it's a connection of all living systems, all the love of all living systems. That's the the humans, the 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 animals, uh, the fauna. You know everything that is alive, and we relate to it, and we're stronger and happier, and thus healthier when we understand that connection. Well, you mentioned back 2002 and 2003 was when you um, came up with this vision for Serenby. Why do you think there are not more Serenbees around the country? Because you've remained unique. Well, there's two things. Um, for whatever reason, since 1950, and the you know the, the, as we're trying to do all the housing. Um, we, we have sanitized our zoning regulations to the point that we've taken the vitality out of where we live. Uh, we have one intersection at Serenby that I believe remains uh, illegal in most zoning codes today. Uh, it has uh, single family houses uh, and across the street attached uh, townhouses. Uh, and then you have live works on another quadrant of the section. That's with the shop downstairs and the residence upstairs. And then the coffee shop, the commercial. Uh, and they're all in one intersection. Uh, now, that was common uh, in 1930s and before. Most cities had those in your neighborhoods. Uh, but uh, we have gradually uh, zoned those out. We don't think uh, uh, commercial usually should be across from residences. We have a tendency to put all the same kind of residences in the same down uh, cul-de-sac uh, by price or by size. Uh, and we have just uh, so segregated and sanitized uh, the regulatory uh, system that uh, we've taken that vitality out. And, and, and that's a piece of it. Uh, and as a result, we, we, we've ended up with what I call rut thinking. Uh, we, we, 
we keep doing the same thing. Now, part of that is our financial institutions require feasibility studies. Feasibility studies are based on looking through the rearview mirror. And mm -hmm. so if you're if you're out there looking through the windshield, cutting new territory for this period of time, uh, it, it, it's it's there are a lot of roadblocks and many developers uh, do not have the passion, the patience or the ability uh, because many of them have borrowed money and the interest clock is ticking and they don't have the time to fight and change the regulations. Uh, luckily, I had the luxury uh, to do that. I wasn't doing this as a developer. I was doing this to save the land and to create uh, a more responsible model. And as I dug into that, uh, I realized this wasn't this tough. It just looks back 100 years. How did we live when uh, uh, things were simpler and we were more connected to both each other and to nature? Well, it, it makes sense that uh, that you've become an example for what the country could could aspire to if they weren't stuck in so many of these institutional models, which of course senior living is deeply entrenched in institutional. So you mentioned Hedwigy, which is um, the famed dementia village in the Netherlands, and um, that you were borrowing some things from that in your aging in place community that you're currently planning. Uh, what are some of the things you're borrowing um, I know this uh, Hedrickie is a is a dementia village, and this aging in place is is much more than than just memory carry. But what what are you borrowing from that? Well, uh, they, uh, the the way we physically design one thing is is you have uh, sub communities. So uh, for every ten to twelve apartments, there's a gathering room. Now that's going to not going to be necessarily restricted to those. Uh, uh, 10 to 12 uh, apartments, uh, but it'll be naturally to, to gather there and where card tables and uh, uh, what have you will be. So th those are natural areas to gather. Uh, then uh, we have what's called, you know, attached cottages. There's 24 cottages uh, that all face into a central courtyard. Uh, and so that is, and there is one common uh, uh, space that they will all use. Uh, and, and so that's sort of a, a sub community uh, on a larger network. And then we have some some uh, scattered independent houses within the campus, another 24 of those. Uh, then we have what we call the house of uh, eight, and that's six to eight um, uh, efficiency bedrooms. Uh, but it's common living space. Uh, so they have a common kitchen and uh, a living TV room, uh, might even, if, if they so vote, to have a common pet. Uh, and uh, one of those units is occupied by uh, the uh, house parent, if you will, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of borrowing from uh, college age. Um, and uh, uh, so, so that's that house of eight. Now, uh, we might not have age restrictions. We might have a college student in there, uh, as well as a senior person who actually needs um, uh, some some level of uh, 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 maybe not care, but uh, family maybe is not comfortable with them living uh, totally alone. But they're still still very active. So if there if there is someone who you know is having a little bit of a memory loss, uh, rather than lock them up. Uh, we want to uncage our elders, 
Uh, and and so there's with wearables, uh, you, we could have at least three wearables and a monitor and you know alerts if they're out of certain range, uh, which which gives someone who's losing their memory uh, a, a lot more dignity in, in in how they live rather than feeling they have done something wrong and they need now be locked behind doors and gates. Yes, I mean that that traditional model of memory care is really. Um to put, put them away, literally. So that makes um, that makes it a whole new ball game. So Steve, what gets you most excited these days? Well, this is certainly exciting. We're, we're gonna break ground on this campus in February. Uh, it's uh, a lot of things I can't talk about yet uh, that, that uh, our relationships with, with, with caregivers and how we're segregating these things. Uh, so that's very exciting, you know, and in addition to that, we're, we're under development for two rest, uh, hotels uh, on the campus, which is going to uh, allow more people to visit. We currently have the Inn at Serenby, uh, which is, is, is very full. And so uh, these added uh, hotel rooms will allow for more visitors and more groups uh, to have their meetings uh, here to actually see uh, what we're doing. Well, I can't wait to come visit. It's definitely on my bucket list. <laughs> Good book. Well, come see us. <laughs> well, I would love that, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us today and for all that you're doing um, for older adults and, and just for everyone. Yeah, we're, you know, our, our real goal is, is uh, people drive in and they see our free, free range kids. So it's free range kids and uncaged elders. Uh, is a real goal, uh, and uh, and you'll see it happening here. I love that. I hope to come soon. Thank Sounds you so good. much. Look forward to talking to you in person. Me too. Thank you. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. 